stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So we are definitely getting down to the nitty gritty on NAFTA here, folks. We've got the Foreign Affairs Minister, Chrystia Freeland, who has arrived in Washington, D.C., along with the rest of the NAFTA team. So we're, we're getting right down to it. Obviously, if you've been following this week, the U.S. and Mexico seem to have ironed out their respective issues. Now focus can turn to Canada and trying to get a trilateral deal done. How easy or difficult is this going to be? I guess, why haven't we done so already? Here's a couple of interesting sound bites from this morning for people from people very close to the president. First of all, uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin who remains optimistic that a deal can be reached with Canada. Stronger intellectual property, stronger protections, modernizing the agreement. So I'm hopeful that the open issues with Canada can be resolved quickly. I guess we're all hopeful of that. And what what are those issues? This is uh, economic advisor Larry Kudlow speaking on Fox News this morning. I think he'd like to make a good deal. That good deal, by the way, has to include, among other things, intellectual property rights, but also... um, uh, Katie, it's got to include the dairy farm stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a word that Canada has trouble with. It's M-I-L-K, milk. Anything to do with milk and dairy. These, uh, they have this government-run, centrally planned system, mm-hmm. some tariffs. Some tariffs run upwards of close to 300%. Wow. They're going to have to fix that. They're going to have to fix that. So that, that's a clear issue. And this is something that our leaders are going to have to figure out what we're going to do on. Is there a NAFTA deal without concessions on supply management? I, I don't know that there is. And the U.S. demands are pretty specific. Here are the points about intellectual property. Both gentlemen mentioned it. Supply management. Uh, auto parts. Rules of origin. Uh, issues around dispute resolution. Chapter 19. The anti-dumping mechanisms. And then there's the whole question of a sunset clause which I think is kind of a red line for Canada. At least maybe it should be. We see some proposed framework in that that U.S.-Mexico agreement on what that might look like. So that's what's on the table. Do we need to cave on some of this? Can we make concessions on some of these issues and push for concessions from the U.S. on other issues? Could we compromise on supply management, for example, get the U.S. to lift some of its own protectionist policies, like around sugar imports, for example? And the impact that has on sugar beet farmers in Canada? Does does a bad NAFTA deal, is that preferable to no NAFTA deal? Joining us for some thoughts on where this all stands, very pleased to welcome to the program Aaron O'Toole, Conservative Party of Canada, Member of Parliament, also the party's Shadow Minister for Foreign Affairs. Mr. O'Toole, welcome to the program. Great overview at the outset, Rob. Uh, Well, what's your sense then of where we're at here? Well, it's a failure on the part of the Liberal government that we're not even at the table, right? The When our interests are at play, and they've been trying to spin that, well, the Mexican unique issues on auto, we didn't need to be at the table. You always want to be at the table when there's issues that are critical to your economy. So it's been mismanaged over the last year by the Liberals. But I'm still very optimistic that we can have a positive outcome, um, mainly because it's in the U.S. interest to have that outcome. We've had an integrated uh, auto industry, for example, since 1965, not the free trade agreement of Brian Mulroney. It goes back to the auto pact. So we had always said the government should have put auto 
auto part content uh, market access uh, first, you know, and not the so-called Trudeau progressive agenda, uh, our partners, both U.S. and Mexico, haven't seen Canada take the negotiation seriously, so much so that we weren't even at the table. So I think you've outlined a lot of the issues that were part of the negotiations, and I think now we're in almost a take-it-or-leave-it scenario, but I'm still optimistic we can get a good deal. Well, then we shall be hopeful. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this all plays out. I mean, the, the point about the U.S. having issues with, with Mexico, those seem, those seem different. Obviously, there's a concern in the American part about auto production going to Mexico because of lower costs, because of lower wages. And we saw that that framework dealt with almost kind of a minimum wage provision when it comes to people who are involved in making vehicles. That, that seems very specific to, to Mexico. Why should it be of worry to Canada that the U.S. would want to address some of that specifically with Mexico? Well, because when you're talking auto, the wage levels in Mexico are just one aspect of it. You may recall the biggest threat was actually not that. The biggest threat was President Trump's desire to have 75% North American content and half of that to be U.S. only. So that's what Canada needed to be at the table at. I've said for a year we share a common interest with the U.S. in terms of seeing some wage rate increases in Mexico. Um, but when you're talking about the state of affairs for how you calculate part content, uh, how you calculate uh, the, the levels for North American or Canadian uh, parts or assembly part of that, that's what we needed to be at the table for. It was really a recognition of uh, a trilateral integrated auto and auto part market. Uh, the fact that we weren't at the table and that was being discussed uh, is is a real miss. We may be we may be swept along into it because the the companies themselves are so heavily invested in Canada, for example. But it's been very disconcerting to to see that you know twenty percent of our economy depends on U.S. trade and we weren't at the table for a discussion of the future of it. Right. But what would have or what should have been done differently then? Well, in the minister's speech last summer, Rob, she did not mention the auto industry. She mentioned uh, indigenous issues, uh, uh, the environment, a range of other things. The Trudeau government have not been serious. In fact, they didn't start talking serious auto until the new year. And there's always been a series of time constraints on these talks because of Mexican election, because of uh, coming U.S. midterms. We should have, right at the start... Um, been serious and tried to drive through resolution. You do that not from trying to contrast yourself with Donald Trump, as Justin Trudeau continues to try and do. You try and find areas of mutual interest and get some get some success on them. This is not about whether you agree with President Trump or not. We, we know that a lot of Canadians don't like Donald Trump. He is erratic. Uh, he's protectionist. What you have to do is look past that. It's not the personalities. Where can we see common ground? And auto was what conservatives said from day one last summer should have been it. And when I suggested this last summer, Catherine McKenna mocked me for it. We did a debate on television. She, she said I was, she was so done with my, my insistence that we talk auto and softwood as opposed to the progressive agenda. But inevitably, as you say, it's not about whether we like Donald Trump. It's about what the U.S. wants. And the U.S. demands have, have been fairly clear from the outset. Is it to say then that, that we should have, at, at an earlier point, made some concessions? Or where should we have made concessions that might have got a deal done? Uh, there's a lot of areas, Rob. You, you mentioned at the outset the sunset clause. Um, we could have, from my intelligence and even from the prime minister's own acknowledgement, 
we likely could have had an agreement or at least would have been at the table for these final rounds of talks if we could have worked with them on that. Right now, if you see, they've gone to a 16-year period. There were talks in Washington months ago about not having a termination sunset clause, but having an annual or five-year review where you have a, a NAFTA panel um, bring up issues that need to be reviewed every five years, not a termination. So there were ways we could have moved on that. The, the de minimis issue, how much Canadians bring over the, the border, or now that people are shopping online, how much uh, you, you can get uh, without the duty being applied. I think Canadians would understand some movement on that. Our economy, uh, you know, our family buy a lot of things online. Some of it's in Canada, some of it's elsewhere. That's a reflection of the time. So there were a bunch of areas we could move on. And I get a kick out of the U.S. talking about agriculture. You know, they spend more on agricultural subsidies than we spend on the Canadian Armed Forces. So if they want to talk freer trade in, in ag- agriculture, they have to come to the table as well. Well, there's no doubt that, that supply management is a protectionist policy that, that seemed to keeping American um, dairy products out of this country. Uh, the Americans have identified it as a trade irritant. They've identified it as, as something they want to fix through NAFTA. It seems that on this issue, both the liberals and, and your party are really not all that far apart. But can we get a NAFTA deal without some kind of compromise on this? All you need to do, Rob, is look to see what we did at the Conservative government. And this is what I laugh about. My my friend Maxime Bernier seems to have been asleep during the nine years of the Harper government. I was parliamentary secretary for both the European and the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal. We did make some changes to supply management. We let in a considerable amount of more import, more competition. Um, Some of the dairy farmers yelled at me in meetings when we did it, but we did it at a time frame and at a pace that the industry could absorb the changes. And in return, we got huge access in Europe for for vehicles, for example, made uh, by Ford here in, in Oakville, Ontario. We got big access for beef, pork, grain, oil seeds. So in trade deals, uh, both the CETA and the TPP, the Harper government, we, we were able to make some modest changes, but in return for big wins. And so that's what a negotiation is. You don't go and try and just conflict with Trump because you don't like Trump and we're putting up uh, gender and the environment and Trudeau's sort of um, it, campaign issues from 2015. You put up areas where you can drive towards an agreement because there's families involved here. This isn't politicians and and personalities, there are millions of jobs in both Canada and the U.S. that depend on us getting a deal. Right, and that's true. And we did so with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, to your government's credit. And I think to this government's credit, they've been willing to do the same thing in, in this new Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, that we should be willing to do it here. And, and hopefully we are. I, I, I recall a few months ago, though, when the uh, Prime Minister had said in an interview that, that he was maybe willing, or at least had an, op- an openness to some concessions on supply management, that, that your leader criticized him in the House of Commons for even expressing such a willingness. We've we got to be flexible on this. Don't we? Well, first off, if you're going to if you're going to talk publicly about the negotiations, you should then say what you're going to get in return. At that point, months ago, uh, you may recall President Trump was still insisting on 50 percent of auto content and parts coming from the United States. 
So in any of these agreements, like TPP, for example, when I would meet with the agricultural sectors, I would say, okay, we are making changes to supply management, for example, but here's what we've got to your farming neighbors. Look at the beef access. Look at the pork access for this market of, of 700 million people. They would then see, okay, there is a net win, and we have tried to make the changes on our side, the concessions, if you want to call them, uh, palatable or 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 something that the industry could respond to because they were spread out over seven years, for example. So if you're going to talk about what you're going to give in, and this is where we criticize Trudeau, uh, you have to talk about what you're going to gain or what you've been able to get the United States to step away from. This is why I get I, I admit you don't talk about the specifics negotiations in public, but the posturing by the Liberals going back to last year on their so-called progressive agenda. By Christmas, they had uh, Liberal MPs going to Washington and saying, well, listen, all the stuff we were talking about on this agenda will be non-binding. So we were using some of our negotiation time for issues that were never going to be core to an agreement. Well, but I mean, you highlight something that I think is really important in all of this. Look, if, if this doesn't happen, if we fail to get a deal, I mean, the government ultimately is responsible for that. But it, it's difficult to criticize them for what they have or haven't done. Well, we're not privy to, to everything that's being said at the negotiating table. Isn't that fair to say? Well, there's two things. It is fair to say that what we have to go through is two things. One, what they say publicly. So last summer when Minister Freeland spoke at University of Ottawa and outlined her agenda and didn't mention the auto industry, for example, uh, didn't mention softwood lumber, uh, outlined the progressive agenda, um, that showed what their public expression of priorities were. And when we said, we want to work with you, but we want more of a focus on market access, we were attacked. The second thing is what we hear from industry and from uh, stakeholders, and we've had Andrew Shear down in Washington. I've been several times. Uh, a number of our MPs who have built up good relationships, particularly with Republican members of Congress and Senate, we've heard both Democrats and Republicans say that Canada has not been serious in the talks. And so when when they're going down there and saying, well, we're talking about uh, the environment or indigenous issues, for example, but in Washington they know Canada has a different um, constitutional requirement with respect to our First Nations. They know that they were just posturing. So we heard repeatedly that Canada was not seen as taking the talks seriously uh, in the early days, and I think that squandered a lot of opportunity. All right. Well, we'll see what happens in the coming days. Aaron O'Toole, appreciate making some time for us here today. Thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks, Rob. Take care. Aaron O'Toole, foreign affairs critic for the Conservative Party of Canada. His thoughts on where things stand ahead of these talks in Washington. And it looks as though we're getting to the serious point. It's not just the minister who is there. It appears to be the entire NAFTA negotiation team. That things have been resolved, I guess, more or less between the U.S. and Mexico, whatever separate issues they had. Uh, so now it's an attempt to see if, if we can get this to be a complete trilateral agreement. And so there's there's some some issues on the table here with regard to uh, the auto sector, with regard to a sunset clause that Canada is going to have to take very seriously. Uh, certainly issues around supply management, as you heard Larry Kudlow say, there's no getting around this. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear Aaron O'Toole say that that we may need to to make concessions to get a deal done. And yes, it's true. The Conservative Party of Canada, to their credit, and they took a lot of heat from the dairy industry. They did so in the original Trans-Pacific Partnership. As you know, 
Uh, Donald Trump decided he didn't want the U.S. to be a part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The remaining countries got together and they basically came up with a new deal, uh, a TPP minus the U.S. Uh, and so it fell to the Trudeau liberals to not screw that up. And fortunately, they, they didn't. And that has also included some concessions on supply management. And, and that's the thing here. And if it comes to getting a deal done with the U.S., maybe that's all we need to do is something similar. We don't have to dismantle supply management necessarily. But if we're at least prepared to say, well, raise the, the, the quota, the quota by which we allow a certain amount of American dairy into the country without those tariffs applying. That, that could be done easily, which is essentially what we did in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. There's, there's been some really intense debate, at least within the industry, industry circles around uh, unfiltered milk and how that's classified. Is it classified as a dairy product? Is it classified as an ingredient that Canadian uh, producers would use? So well, I think if we can get that sorted out, that might be enough. But maybe we need to go even further if we're worried about what we could lose on some of these other issues. Maybe if we're prepared to go even further on supply management, that we wouldn't have to concede as much on some of these other issues. Any kind of concession on, on a, a sunset clause, I think that's dangerous for Canada. I think we need to be really careful about that. A any deal that comes with an expiry date isn't much of a deal. What we need is investor certainty, right, in Canada. And we're not getting that in so many ways under this government, but that's a big one. You know, if you can say to companies, look, we've got access to the U.S. market through this trade agreement, invest here. And they say, well, what happens in six years or 10 years or whatever it is when that deal expires? We're going to make long-term investments. We need long-term certainty. So as far as we can get away from a sunset clause, the better. And maybe it's better to make other concessions if we don't have to give on that one. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.